everybody, and welcome back to the Enterprise Dish. It is my man up in Columbus, Dealmaker Rick, who's always bringing the knowledge, making, I don't know, well, nobody will understand that joke other than Rick and I, but that's okay. That's why it's a podcast. It's Rick and I talking. Rick, how, is it raining in Columbus? Because it's raining in Cincinnati. Yeah, it's a very ugly day out today. Um, it's wet. It's not cold. Okay, so I'll take that. But uh, yeah, it's a good day to be indoors. Yeah, it is uh, 67 freedom units, which is about 25 centigrade. Yeah, it's 22. Somewhere 22. around there, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so not cold, just just wet and rainy. But Rick, there's a lot going on. So uh, we are at here at the very end of April. But in May, at least from the Microsoft side, May 25th through the 27th will be the company's annual build conference. It's totally free online. Anything... Well, I don't know if you, you're an MVP now, so you might have um, advanced knowledge that you can or cannot talk about. Cannot, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I do, I have been attending a lot of the MVP calls because they've been really trying to work mm -hmm. up to this. So um, I, I'll be honest with you, Brad, I'm always blown away by the amount of cadence content innovations that Microsoft will continue to bring. And I think what's actually kind of gravitating out a little bit is that build is going to be kind of taking some things that I think Ignite used to give to the market. Mm -hmm. So the build is wide open for everyone. So for those that are really looking for that super technical uh, stuff and, you know, uh, kind of to the point, and you don't necessarily have to be a developer, you can build solutions, right? So, um, you know, if you are used to what Ignite would bring you, this might be an additional way to consume it. So yeah, check that out for yeah. sure. Speaking of, because this dovetails nicely, uh, Microsoft also launched a new uh, learning Kubernetes on Azure for free. If you go to aka.ms slash aks slash sandbox, you can create new Azure Kubernetes services and clusters up in a sandbox. You can just learn, you can play around and uh, have yourselves a good time. And really, you can learn about deploying ML models and AKS and all sorts of fun stuff. And uh, it's completely free. And so Microsoft's got a bunch of that good stuff over there. Yeah, so a couple of things on that. So... The next thing we're going to talk about is Vmon, but after Vmon, I'm going to uh, take a AKS learning journey. Oh. So, yeah. So now, let me give you kind of some perspective there. And you know, what I do here at Veeam, we we acquired a company that does Kubernetes native backup. Actually, you got a rule: every time you say Kubernetes, you got to drink. No, oh, it, it's <laughs> ten it's fifteen coffee. in the morning. I have coffee. nothing with me, but but anyways, um, we acquired. A, a company which functions in that space mm -hmm. and I'm going to take a personal learning journey for AKS after Vmon. But one interesting stat I found out that Kubicon, which goes on next week-ish or so, mm -hmm. uh, which aligns to that cloud native apps, the cloud native computing foundation, 80 plus percent of the attendees there are just getting started really? just on a learning journey. Yeah. So like, We've been hearing all about these containers, mm -hmm. these technologies for a long time. It, it's a big deal. So, you know, for those IT pros that are like, you know, container schmainer, you know, it, it might be a good time to take it a little bit seriously or more specifically come out with at least an educated opinion on one platform or something. So, um, and I'll drop a little, little nug mm -hmm. here. There is a actually a, a pretty cool open source tool that Kasten, which is the acquisition that Veeam made, there's a really cool open source tool that'll assess the storage of the Kubernetes drink. 
<laughs> deployment. So it's called Coopster. And mm -hmm. Coopster will basically do a storage profile to make sure that your app is going to perform at the levels you want, which that's kind of a big deal, right? Because the whole nature of these services, you want to deploy and you want it to run and you want to do what it needs to do and potentially scale back and go away. But the underlying infrastructure is a factor, right? The whole abstraction layer is a great benefit, but you need to be aware of how the storage will do. And, and my commitment to you, Brad, is that my very first AKS learning journey uh, post, when we go on the site, we'll be around using this open source tool to assess the storage performance in AKS. So there you go. Fantastic. Dovetailing nicely, I kind of jumped around here in the show notes just a bit. Nobody else would know that, but again, Rick or I. Uh, Microsoft prepare. That's, that's a takeaway. <laughs> Microsoft uh, also announced that it acquired Kinvolk, the creator and distributor of Flatcar Linux, Flat Flatcar Container Linux, uh, as well as the Locomotive Inspector Gadget Project. The point being here is there's a lot to Rick's point exactly. There's a lot of container news going on, um, a lot of action in containers. Microsoft is investing not only in education in containers, but now they're buying additional container-based companies. And so you got to start figuring out these flavors because that doesn't feel like it's a flash in the pan sort of thing. No, it's not. And in my practical advice, one of the things I've done with one of the, my members of my team is I had Michael Cade go on special assignment into this community, mm -hmm. basically completely parachute in. And he's done a great job of documenting his learning journey. And um, he's, he summarized something really intriguing to me. He's like, every one of the platforms have some things that are similar, but then some things that are very unique and different to them. So whether you're on the AKS boat or EKS over in Amazon or GKE over in Google Cloud or the on-prem things like OpenShift, Tanzu and the like, right? Mm -hmm. it's, all five of those behave very differently. So... Um, my personal recommendation is to, you know, pick one of these platforms. I'm going to go down the AKS bit. What we do here at Veeam, I'm going to need somebody that sits in each of those. But for me, I'm going to go down AKS. But my recommendation is, as people go on their journey, pick one of these platforms and learn that. Sure. And then other things like backup and storage management, those other things should come easy mm -hmm. once you learn the platform. And that's kind of our approach to it. So it's funny, Michael said that, you know, learning these Container platforms has been the hard part. Backing them up with, you know, with what we're doing in that space is the mm -hmm. easy part. And if you look at Flatcar and these other projects, Inspector Gadget, I love these uh, names yep. that uh, align to these acquisitions from Kinvolk. I think that's how you say that. But um, I'm not familiar with those technologies. But this is very clearly rounding out mm -hmm. things that are going to drive AKS capabilities. Right. That's that's the game here. So. Learn AKS, uh, check out these other new things, and watch how they get folded into the platform, right? So um, it's a learning journey, and there's a lot of people there to help you, and there's plenty of tools, and you know, Azure isn't doing anything to make it hard for, for those to get started in this space. Yep. Other journeys that are coming up here, as we kind of alluded to, Vimon is happening also at the end of May, uh, 25th through the 26th. And Rick, I'm spitballing here, but I suspect you might know a thing or two about Vimon. Just... Yeah, this is the one thing I just can't shake from my day to day. I guess, you know, it's kind of funny. I got a Vimon, or maybe on this side, I got a Vimon banner here. I got one over there. I got vmon las vegas up there actually straight above my shiny head you know so i've got all this vmon museum here that i uh curate but we have a big one coming up and i just got the registration report today i actually think we're going to pull it off it's crazy we're nice. gonna we're gonna hit our goals but um 
couple of uh, a funny, funny story, Brad. You're never going to believe this. So I got summoned for jury duty the day of VMON. Nice. And actually, a really busy day at work is not a suitable excuse. <laughs> no, no it, I'm it's serious. really not. It's not. It's not a suitable excuse to get out of it. Now, I could say I'm going to be blogging and talking to the press and all that. That might get me out of it. But um, long story, it should be fine because my elements are all recorded. And it's only one of the days. So I should be okay. So I do know. Well, I guess it depends. Um, I think you can punt that to get tossed back in for like four weeks or something. Because I, I oh, got like push I, it out, like delay it or something. Yeah, but it's a, it's a real short window. Um, like if that's, I, I'd rather just peel the bandaid and get it yeah. over with. And the other thing is, they um, this at least in my county for for nowadays with current conditions, what they're doing is uh, every the day before you log in and see if you're needed. Yeah, and then. And the way it's structured, it's I want to say it's a Tuesday and a Thursday and a Tuesday and a Thursday uh, stacked on two different weeks. Mm. And so the conflicting day is uh, it's one of the days it's like on the second half. Right. So I might not even need to. I, I don't know. We'll see. I did jury duty like 20 some years ago and it's actually really cool and really fun. I enjoyed it. Um, it took the whole week, though, every mm. day. This one. um it's weird that it's a single day, so it might be easier. We'll see. But, uh, you know, it's funny. If I was supposed to be out of town, that, you know, so if it was a real VMON, mm -hmm. we would actually probably have a better case. But, you probably um, would. I think you can send, like, yeah. your flight numbers or something like that. If yeah. You can show it's pre-booked or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, no, I should, because it's recorded, um, yeah, I'm going to try to pull it off. Well. So, but uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming for it. That's for sure. Yeah. I'll give one little preview. Um Let's see what, what well we're gonna have demos of all the products that's one we actually and what i mean by that and this is something we've learned about virtual events demos work better on virtual events because mm -hmm. like in a you know giant room and even with my wonderful zoom zoom it skills like the screen you know consuming what we're yep. showing and saying is harder but like here to there on on digital events it actually works a little bit better so at any given point in the agenda there's a demo only track so that's a good way to get started with new stuff. Um, the other little nug I'll drop is a special workshop that mm. our newest capability, CDP, Continuous Data Protection. We're going to do a 75-minute session, 75. how to configure it. 75. End to end. And the thought is it's it's more instructional, and one of our best trainers is going to deliver that content because this particular thing, the CDP, is really only used for the most critical applications. So anytime people want to go deploy it, they have to give a lot of considerations like, okay, this, this can affect my tier one application. So mm -hmm. we want to really walk the people through it and that workshop will really help out. So we're, we're excited for that. And it's free. Just go to vmon.com. You can sign up today. Gotcha. Well, speaking of things you can sign up for is if you have questions for Rick, this is a great place to ask them. Actually, Rick, we got one into the bucket. Actually, there was a couple, but this is the one that I pulled up. Uh, it says, it is, this is, comes from an, an anonymous user who did not want to be uh, referenced on the podcast. They, they said, uh, it is looking like we will be migrating off of server 2012R2 early next year. Does Rick have any advice on how to prep for this upgrade? We are likely moving to 2019, I believe. Yeah, I had this conversation in the 2008 R2 end of life era. And, you know, it sounds crazy, but what I do, first of all, is get 
domain controllers and stuff updated first, your core infrastructure bit, then work into the app services type stuff or app servers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe I'm the only one that says this, but the just throwing the CD in and throwing or the ISO in and saying upgrade, that actually works pretty good. <laughs> All right. They're here to hear, for to hear I've first. Done that. I, I took a, a number of times, mm -hmm. I took a 2008 R2 went to 2012 and then went to 2016. I haven't done it all the way up to 2019, but yeah. that actually works pretty good. So um, if you have a good backup, mm -hmm. which I recommend, you you know, that's always a good idea. It gives you the flexibility to do these types of things if you can have confidence in the recovery. So um, I, I wrote a white paper on doing this type of thing in what we call a data lab here at Veeam. So it's taking the backup you have, mm -hmm. simulating the upgrade and verifying that it's okay and if that's good, then you can like back that up and restore it or repeat the process. So, um, you know, I've been there and done that with 2008 around that time and 2012 all the way up to 2016. But I'm sure the same logic works with 2019. So um, I would try that. The other thing is, you know, rebuild, which is a lot more work, honestly, and more daunting. But trying those in-place upgrades, you know, like I said, it was okay. Now, I highly recommend that's on a virtual platform. Mm-hmm. That's the one caveat. I don't like doing that type of logic on a physical platform because then you're like, okay, I got a new OS, but I still got five-year-old hardware and that can walk you into some different problems, yeah. right? So um, recommend that on virtual platforms and having good backups in the way. So that's one approach. The other approach would be um, honestly just you know reconfiguring apps and whatever is on these servers. And um, that sometimes is more attractive. And let me explain, like the in-place upgrades, like I said, work better than you think, right? And anybody who's gone through like Microsoft certifications, like those are the questions they ask, like mm -hmm. that's the Microsoft answer for Windows Server, but it's not necessarily frequently done in real life. But the other side of it is, it also can allow you when you do those upgrades in place, that'll allow you to propagate bad decisions of the past Okay, so mm -hmm. if there's something you don't like about what this 2012 R2 system or any other obsolete system is doing, maybe the drive arrangement is funky. Maybe like that's a really good one, right? So there are yeah. some storage designs of the past that are not good ideas for today. So if you do in-place upgrades, you're basically given that bad decision a couple more years. So that's one thing that would warrant going to a rebuild and migration. So couple of things here, I guess um, the, the last one is around like some of the clustered storage configs. Mm -hmm. You know, especially a lot of people deploy Windows servers on uh, VMware platforms like uh, vSphere. And when it comes to clustered virtual platforms, there was a time a number of years ago where people did uh, the RDMs, the raw device mappings. You know, now in 2021, that's kind of like smoking. It's not a good idea to start doing that anymore. Yeah. So there's better technologies, better storage approaches. So if you have some of these archaic designs, I wouldn't propagate that. So that's in the whole rebuild camp. So short question, long answer. <laughs> that's what well, I it's think. a big move. I mean, it, and it's so scenario specific, right? If you're running a pretty vanilla operation, I'm sure just upgrading and just kind of taking the defaults might work for that op organization. If you're Procter and Gamble and you're running a massive infrastructure, maybe not. So who knows? Yeah. Or the other twist is, you know, a lot of times I, I expect Microsoft will give extensions to the updates in Azure. Surprise. I would imagine. I don't 
think that's been announced, but I know they did for 2008. Yeah. I would, you know, drive consumption to Azure that way. So something to watch there. That would be door number three. Right? Door number three. Although you can't bet on door number three. So you got to be, that one's more of a lifeboat um, than anything yeah, else. Yeah, true. Well, you know, what I, what I have seen where that makes a lot of sense, and I spoke to a number of organizations that they had like a, like an HR system or mm -hmm. any other line of business app, and they moved to a SaaS offering, but they needed to hold on to that old thing for retention and inquiry reasons for a few years. That made sense to sit that in Azure as was for ever after three more years or something like that. But like running the business from it with the obsolete OS, different stories. So there's a, there's some, it depends. That's the answer. It depends. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a mutual Twitter account that we, well, I don't know if you follow Wes. Uh, do you follow Wes Miller? On... Yes. Yeah. So he every licensing question is always it depends. So it's a, he's a good guy to follow if you're not familiar with him. But Rick, it has been another podcast. We covered containers. We covered you know Kubernetes. We covered uh, learning. We covered all sorts of Vmon build stuff. A lot of stuff. And if you like more good stuff, everybody, there's links down in the description, including that Microsoft Learning stuff. There's Vmon. There's Rick on Twitter. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe there's some other mystery links down there. But we will catch all of you right back here next time. And thanks for hanging out with us.